Today's Monday recap episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by the Arizona Office of Tourism. From now through February, every Monday recap episode is sponsored by the Arizona Office of Tourism, and we will talk more about them at the break. Now, before we get started, Ray, why don't you let them know where can they find us? You can like us on Facebook.com slash The Goldcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at The underscore Goldcast, and be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of The Goldcast. Like, subscribe, and comment because we like to hear from you, and we love giving you shout-outs, especially on a day like today when score predictions and game result predictions were the big talk week in and week out because it's playoff football so every game is entertaining to watch absolutely now raymond where can they find you if they want to talk to you about football in between gold casts where do they find you i'm on twitter at ray solis and instagram at ray solis one yeah and i'm on instagram at rudy solis three and twitter at rudy solis three r d oh man ray what a weekend, my favorite weekend of football, the divisional round. And this year it was 10 times better because the 49ers made their playoff return, their grand return, their debut in the new decade. And what a glorious game it was. We also had some upsets and some wonderful losses to our horrid horrid rivals i will say it that way and we performed much better this week in our predictions yeah we did a lot better a lot better we're going to talk about it after the intro but first your professor of fanalism he's in the building the greatest fanalist in the game he's here too classes in session let's go san francisco are you ready this is the gold cast Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa I, baby. Boom! Raymond, we did it! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! We did it! Here's what I had to hear all week. Good morning, football. Uh, four of the five, or three of the four, I can't remember how many hosts on there. Everyone, Everybody chose the Vikings except one. Get up, same thing. Get up on ESPN. Who, who on who on Good Morning Football uh, picked the 49ers? Was it Nate Burleson? I think so. The gentleman with the glasses? Uh, Nate Burleson. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone the, else. The former, the former wide receiver. Yes. Yeah, that guy. Yes. And then everyone else. Of course, e- the football guy picks the 49ers. E- even, 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 even our beautiful little K turned against us. Turned against us at the... 11th hour. Get well, up. she's going to eat her words tomorrow, and she knows it. Oh, yeah. Get up. They turned against us. Bill Simmons turned against us. Mina Kimes turned against us. Uh, Mallory Rubin turned against us. Everybody. I mean, everywhere I was looking. You know who didn't turn? Mike Florio turned against us. I, you know, I get well, Mike Florio. He, he, he's a, he's he a Vikings fan. Yeah, he, he, it's his team. I, I do not fault him he's, for it. He's from there. so Exactly. It, totally fair. Mike Floro is the only guy that gets a pass. You know who didn't, though? 
Kyle Shanahan's ex-college teammate, and our boy, Chris Sims. Chris Sims didn't turn against us. He he looked at Mike Florio and said, I'm going to rub this in your face on Monday when the 49ers destroy your Vikings. And what a destruction it was. 49er faithful. We brought the energy of Candlestick to Levi Stadium. We brought the spirit back. First playoff game ever in Levi. The crowd was loud and proud and going bananas. And it didn't start off easy, but at the end of the day, the 49ers proved to everyone why we are the number one seed. Final score, 27-10. Here's the things they said, Raymond. Here's some of the things I wrote them down. They said, the Vikings have the best defense against play action. They said, the Vikings are excellent against tight ends. They said... The 49ers didn't look that good the last five weeks. They said the Vikings are peaking at the right time. These are all the things they said. They said the 49ers have had two weeks, had one week rest, but the Vikings are hot coming off that huge win against the New Orleans Saints. This are, these are the things that I heard analysts say on podcasts, on YouTube, and on the television. I had to hear this all week. And you know what? By the end, and I put it even on Twitter, I said, you know what? I love it. I love it. Let's embrace it. We're pretenders, right? All season long, no one believes in us. We're pretenders. Strength of schedule. It, it, it's it's because we we we've had we had an easy schedule, or it's because you know the, the teams weren't quite ready. Blah 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 blah. I said, I thought, damn, we've been gone one week. And y'all done forgot who we are. Y'all done forgot who the 49ers are. You forgot that we had to go through the gauntlet. The, the hardest, the hardest ever. Three team, uh, th- three, three week span of football ever played that this late in the season. All three teams over 800, Green Bay, uh, Baltimore, and uh, New Orleans. And then as as some people were saying, they weren't the gauntlet. We were the gauntlet. And so everyone, we were gone a week and they forgot. And guess what happened, Ray? What happened? You talked about it on the on, on the, the preview episode. Our whole defense came back. And lo and behold, we came in and we dominated. So I want you to tell me what you thought about this game. It was exactly what I expected. I thought that the matchups between Minnesota and San Francisco was very clear cut and dry. I thought that we would dominate them and I thought the strategy for beating them was you know exactly what we expected. You take out Cal- Dalvin Cook, you take out the Vikings. That's how it works. It's all predicated on the run. Not to say that we don't operate in the same manner, but the point is we have state of the art systems of of the we have state of the art versions of that type of offense and the difference is too we have been one put in positions where we had to be one dimensional and we and we've had games where we didn't rely on the pass a lot case in point this this past weekend and we've had games where the running game got stuffed and Jimmy had to air it out and he answered that bell and so that's that's the other wrinkle not only are the systems that we have state of the art and just completely 
just way more versatile and sophisticated and much more resilient against, you know, stout opponents. But at the same time, if one has to rely on the other or vice versa, they're more than capable of handling an extra load. And as far as fan predictions go, everybody picked the Niners to win. So shout out to Niner by Nature 88 for picking a 42 to 16 stomping. So not not quite that kind of blowout, but certainly a dominating effort. So you were we're on point there. And Andy Laird, of course, our one of our trusted most loyal fans, picked a 17-13 win. Wasn't as tight as that, but again, you got this you got the the winner correctly. And that was actually it for the predictions. But I will shout out Jason Bennett. Uh thank you for chiming in on the comments. You, um, you got, you're, you're amazing as well and keep listening. So special shout out to him. And then WPO Wolfpack International. That's a, quite a, quite a name there, but, uh, he, he chimed in with 49er <laughs> empire. We, we beat that ass, shut Vikings down. We into championship. Number one, come see us. Any team can get it. It's our time. 49ers all day, every day. <laughs> Just a total yes. hardcore fan comment. That yes. Was that was amazing. Um, so, so thank you guys for chiming in. But back to the game, this was really – I was not surprised. I was not surprised. I was more surprised at people that thought that the Vikings would put up a bigger fight. Because I was like, no, I think this is cut and dry. And here's the, and I, I was banking on our injured players coming back and playing, playing at a clip more reminiscent of the first half of the season when we started 8-0. And that's Can I interrupt exactly you for a second? Got. Can I interrupt you for yeah. a second? Yeah. For the last month, all you kept talking about – was we need the number one seed, we need the rest. We need the number one seed, we need the rest. We need the number one seed, we need the rest. And you kept saying that that one week will allow this defense to come back because if you look at the timetable, most of them should be back by the divisional and the one seed is imperative to our Super Bowl uh, road. You said that the entire final month of the season and you were right. Yeah. and So shout outs to you. Thank you. And and because that's what I, that's, the injuries, everything that was happening, I thought D Ford can come back, and Quan. You know, I wasn't really Quan was more of a surprise. That was like a bonus because I thought he was done for the year. That's what I honestly thought. And then when the rumors started swirling and we got the buy, I was like, all right, that might really help. And then he was showing up in practice with non-contact jersey. You know, just kept getting closer and closer and closer. And then it finally got confirmed that he was going to come in and he was going to play. And he was the only one between Tart and D Ford that really showed some rust. I thought maybe. Maybe D Ford was a smidge slower than he was because he hasn't played in several weeks, but I still thought he was terrific. He had a sack and a TFL, and I think that's that's ter- I think that's a great stat line. Nick Bosa, who's been in rhythm all season, was had six tackles, two sacks, two TFLs, one pass deflection, uh, three quarterback hits, and like I think half a dozen pressures. Outside of that, Nick Bosa was a monster. But again, the reason why Nick Bosa was able to have so much success is because now the the offense can't just focus on chipping him or doubling up him because now D Ford's there. When D Ford is there, he opens up the opportunities for everybody else because he is the key to keeping this thing going. And I think there might be something to be said like if a Nick Bosa was out because he's on the edge, the edge in the wide nine technique, D Ford is the one who really kind of jumps off the snap and really takes a wide angle on purpose by design, by technique in order to spread out 
spread out the protection and allow our big six seven guys to penetrate and allow nick bosa to also do what he does on his edge side to really kind of create this encapsulating claustrophobic pocket for the quarterback and that's why we've had we had 48 sacks in the regular season and we were tied for i think fifth in the league alongside uh, minnesota as a matter of fact so the defense once again thrived fred warner at the top with seven total tackles nick bosa as you just mentioned right behind him six solo tackles two sacks how about and two tackles for a loss how about when he fell and it looked like he hurt himself and the whole crowd started started chanting bosa 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 and he kind of sat there for a second and then he got up and just started shaking his head looked like a pro wrestler (laughs) it's amazing it was was an amazing reaction i was laughing i was like that is amazing he put his hand up in the air and started nodding his head like in in this like really like jovial pleasure of like yeah i hear that i hear that and i'm not down Uh, i'm not i'm I'm back i'm back it was like to me it was like it was like a hulk hogan style (laughs) style appreciation i was at at my bar, the Niner fans went ballistic. There was so many. It was like 80% Niners. It was so good. So, so good. So crazy. Uh, how about this? Dalvin Cook held to 18 yards. 18 yards. We knew that if this game was going to be won in dominating fashion, it was going to have to be through the defense. And the defense, oh, man, now that they're back, finally, other teams are falling apart. Ours was coming together. And that the 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 defense, the Richard Sherman interception. Come on now. Richard Sherman interception. Did you hear his uh, post his uh, post game press conference? I did. I heard. I heard most of it when he talked about how um, I show up. Yeah, I show up. He, he talked about thirteen, I believe thirteen postseason games, zero zero touchdowns allowed, three interceptions. I was like, ooh, that sounds like a perfect stat. Sounds kind of sounds kind of exactly like, like that. Yeah, sounds like the cornerback version of the perfect stat. I absolutely love it. These guys, they came together. They absolutely dominated. It was the game we were looking for, the game that we wanted. And I was so angry. So I'll tell you guys. I'll tell all of the... the, Actually, I'm going to tell this story to all of Goldcast Nation. It was a story that happened uh, the day before the game between Raymond and I. But first, first, we're going to take a quick little break. This is the Goldcast. Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by the Arizona Office of Tourism. Hey, 49ers faithful, guess what? The season is almost over, but that's okay because it means that baseball is just around the corner. This spring, you can follow the San Francisco Giants, the Oakland A's, or your favorite baseball team to Arizona for Cactus League Spring Training. Arizona offers a -a one-of-a-kind spring training experience, 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75-degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in Greater Phoenix within 50 miles. You can meet the players and get autographs before games. Maybe you can meet Madison Bumgarner and tell him how much we already miss him. Check out amazing restaurants and bars nearby, including tons of craft breweries like Four Peaks, Angel's Trumpet Ale House, and Goldwater Brewing Company. We like Goldwater because it reminds us of the Goldcast. 
Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. That site one more time is visitarizona.com slash spring training. Let's go. All right. And we are back. Okay. So I was so fed up by Friday. I'm calling my dad, the unofficial fourth member, Rudy Sleese Jr. of the Gold Cast. I'm talking to 49er Faithful on, on social media, on text messages. And Raymond calls me uh, like in, in the evening on the way back home from San Francisco. You call me and what do you tell me? Tell the people what you said when you called me. He said, we're going to win. That was it. We're going to win. We're, we're going to win tomorrow. Because I was so annoyed. I was so frustrated. We're, we're going we're gonna to win convincingly. Yes, convincingly. That's the word you used. And we did. It was such a great game. Let's talk about the offense. Let's move over. Jimmy G gave us the one, you know, the one interception that were, you know, pretty much guaranteed. His numbers were almost virtually identical to Kirk Cousins, except he threw 10 less passes. Uh, but let's talk about Jimmy G and the offense, Raymond. This game was won on the ground with uh, by running the ball. Tevin Coleman with a huge game, 22 carries, 105 yards. If you were playing postseason fantasy, not a bad day. But let's talk about it from your perspective. What are the greatest fans in the game see? I saw the the running attack, the rushing attack that we've had pretty much all season. It was 186 yards compared to 21 net Total, total. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, twenty-one. Yeah, twenty-one net rushing yards compared to 186. I saw ten rushing plays by Minnesota compared to our 47. A f- over four to one ratio there. They were just completely stuffed. They were complete. Dalvin Cook. The inside zone didn't work. The outside zone was non-existent because their game plan was very specific. They were going to attack the inside zone rushing defense and it didn't work we were ready we were prepared we answered the call and the outside zone they didn't really give a whole lot of attention to that the only outside plays were you know some screen passes here and there but dalvin cook was ineffective in the passing game as well because he was one of their big number two number three options in the passing game depending on the play so that was that was huge and then the third down conversion the third down conversion was was huge Minnesota was two for 12 and the 49ers were five for 12. So offensively, we were nearly 50% on third down, which was a big, big thing that that first opening drive by Jimmy G, he was very sharp in the passing game, ultimately didn't have to pass it all that much at all. He was 11 for 19, one touchdown, one pick, the ill-advised pick where he just missed, he missed Kendricks in in, uh, over there who dropped into coverage and just read him. And, you know, Jimmy's made mistakes like that you know, all season long, but he's been very, very efficient. He's been, he was, you know, for someone who's going through their playoffs for the first time, he's been outstanding for the entire season and has answered every difficult, ad, you know, level of adversity that has been thrown his way. And he's handled all of the scrutiny like a pro and you couldn't ask for more than, than what he's done other than just continuing to do what he's been doing. And this offense I thought was terrific. They didn't have. They leaned on the running game because it was working so well, and we just started to. Once Minnesota just once we realized that Minnesota just wasn't really going to do much against our rushing attack, Kyle Shanahan just leaned right into it and said, "All right, here we come," 
And this time it was Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman coming back. You know, Tevin Coleman's biggest game before this was against the Carolina Panthers, where we put up the 50 burger on him. But he was 22 carries for 105 yards and two scores on the ground. He was outstanding today. Raheem Mostert was also good today. 12 carries, 58 yards. He had the same average yard precarious Tevin Coleman. They both shared 4.8. Matt Breida, a little less impressive today. He they really kind of, for, for whatever reason, during his runs is when it, when Minnesota was actually did pretty well. It just wasn't enough because if if he wasn't doing well, because he also had the fumble too. If he didn't do well, then Raheem Mostert was gashing him for Raheem and Tevin were doing so much gashing that it just wasn't doing anything. It was like six, six, eight, ten yards a carry. There was no like explosive runs like we've seen in the past. The the longest run by each of these guys was 11 and 10 yards. So there was no explosive runs, but it was so consistent in terms of getting positive yardage, you know, getting a third in shorts, getting a second in shorts, getting first downs on second down, all that stuff. And whenever we were in third down position, we we took care of it. We took care of the drive and kept pushing it. We had 21 first downs, 12 on the ground, nine in the air. And conversely, the Minnesota Vikings had only seven total and they had zero on the ground and six via pass and one via penalty. So this was a complete domination where Minnesota couldn't do anything because Kirk Cousins really does lean and rightfully so as a quarterback, you should lean on that kind of stuff because it gives you a balanced attack that keeps defenses honest and keeps them off balance. But they weren't able to do that today because Cook was never able to get going. And the offense just had their way with this defense. This defense that everyone talked about, which is great, which they are good. They're 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 certainly above average, but they, you know, they t- again state of the art rushing offense versus above average defense. I thought agreed, and I thought the play that really set the tone that really. The, the the dagger or maybe not quite the dagger but the the play that turned the game I thought really that play was the the um the uh, the the fumble recovery by Raheem Mostert on special teams I thought that was that was the play um, what what did you think was it that play for you what was the play for you that the really turned the game towards the 49ers yeah I'd say the turnover they, the the pick by Sherman was a big one, followed by the special teams muff. The ghost of Kyle Williams was haunting Minnesota. I thought the same thing. I thought the ghost of Kyle Williams. Poor Kyle Williams. You know, wherever you are, I hope you're happy. I think he's still in the league, but he's like a third stringer or something like that. Fair. I I, I don't. I think so. I, it's, it's a guess. Somebody can look it up. We're not going to look that up. <laughs> We're not going to fact check that. No. But this was this was just it's exactly what i wanted so i to be honest i just wasn't surprised you know i watched the game with our father and i said i'm not surprised i was like this is this is exactly what i thought was going to happen i was like I, you some of you guys thought it was going to be closer and some other people thought it was going to be minnesota's day it's like nope i just sorry this is this is a mismatch they're up and down the lineup is a mismatch no matter what and by the way we saw how serious the playoffs can get when it comes to performance. And Akella Witherspoon got burned on three big explosive plays, including the lone touchdown to Stephon Diggs in the first quarter, and he got pulled after that series. And Emmanuel Mosley came in, and he had five tackles and two pass deflections with zero touchdowns yielded. I mean, so that was it. He, 
and I I had a feeling that that was going to happen once once the touchdown came to because uh, I think Akello overthinks it. You know, I'm I I don't I'm not in his head, so I don't know. I'm just this is just the inference I'm getting while I'm watching the play unfold, and based on how I've watched him throughout the season when he's been on the field. To me, it seems like he's trying so hard to do the right thing and to make the play that he overcompensates and overestimates and because sometimes it looks like he's right there and then there's some kind of fumble or miss at the very, very end. It's not like the coverage is completely blown and he's not nowhere to be found. He's there. He's just he's just off. He's just off by, it's a game of inches and he's off by that much and a lot of the time. But in a big time game, in a big time moment like that, when we had a really smooth drive, and came down and scored and I felt like, because they got the ball first. And we took, they got a three and out. And I thought, perfect. That's exactly how I wanted to start. And then we answered right back with a really terrific drive. And Jimmy was sharp. I thought, great. And let's, let's now take another three and out and put some more points on the board. And that didn't happen. And it was, and it didn't happen because Akello gave up three big passing plays from Kirk Cousins. And the, the final one was a score to tie it up. And I was like, and father said the same thing. He said, don't be surprised if they pull him right here. And once Emmanuel Mosley got in there, I just felt so much better because Emmanuel Mosley has just been, he's been the better player. Yeah, Kella Witherspoon is great the first few weeks of the season. And then he went down and was just never able to come back and return to that level of play. He had moments and flashes, but Emmanuel Mosley stepped in and said, you know what? I'm going to pick up where you left off and I'm going to, I'm going to carry the mantle from here on out. And he handled when, when Akello came back and he had to sit, he handled it like a pro. But now he's been getting more and more opportunities because Akello's been dropping the ball and Eman's proven that he can be a shutdown corner. He shut out he shut out this this Minnesota wide receiving core, at least the assignments that he was given, whether it was Adam Thielen or Stephon Diggs. He played great against DK Metcalf. He did it's Michael Thomas is in a whole nother level and Julio Jones, we double teamed him and it didn't work. So those are those are different different caliber of players. Minnesota doesn't quite have those type of receivers, but he still played well in moments during those games against those high caliber caliber players. But my point is that Mosley is much more consistent. So don't be surprised if he starts next week. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Raymond, who gets your game ball? Hmm. I'm going to give it to D Ford because D D Ford came coming back, made all the difference and, you know, Quan made plays, but wasn't you know all, all over the place. And Tart made you know made plays, but wasn't all you know. Tart only had one tackle, I believe. Alexander assisted on some tackles. I'm I I saw him there, but you know he took some bad angles early on, and I could tell he was not there. But really, that's okay. We we can compensate for you know the time missed and him being a little out of rhythm, because really the play. The play disruption that we're looking for starts and stops with the defensive line at the line of scrimmage. And D Ford is really the, the key component that I was looking for to make an instant impact. And he did. And he had a sack and a TFL. And so I'm going to give my game ball to D Ford because he's the one that really made this thing happen. He is the key component that allows this defense to play at the high, high level that it plays at. And everyone else, you know, add contributes to, not to take away from any of the other players too, but again, the ball is snapped at the line of scrimmage. It's not snapped at the second level with the linebackers or, you know, the third level with the secondary. It starts at the line of scrimmage and D Ford gets my game ball. All right. My game ball is actually going to go a little bit broader 
it's going to go to the entire defense. The defense as a whole for the unit for coming back. Quan Alexander f- willing himself to this level back to be a part of this team. You know, D Ford coming back. Yoquiski Tart coming back. You know, Richard Sherman holding it down. D Ford instant impact. Nick Bosa continuing his uh, his streak of consistency. Emmanuel Mosley coming in and making it happen. Jimmy Ward, Fred Warner, seven total tackles. I mean, the list goes on. But this defense had came to play, and yeah. they are back to where they were at the beginning of the season. So many people going, oh, the defense has really fallen off and blah, 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 blah. Well, they were injured. Because of injuries. We were, we were missing high-caliber players at every single level. All three levels were missing a high-caliber starter that was a key cog in allowing everything to play at, at the clip that we've been playing at, especially in the first half of the season. But we saw what happens when everyone's back and everyone's healthy. We go right back to the 8 no defense. It goes right back in there. The only thing that's missing is the second squad lineup but Sheldon Day I thought played very well today he had a TFL he had a couple tackles and hey even Solomon Thomas three tackles including a sack and a TFL himself so second unit stepped up they played good they did their job you you know I I'm happy with that I'm totally okay with that Earl Mitchell's back but I don't think he saw any snaps or if he did he did not end up on the stat sheet now Raymond who gets your cold shower this is an easy one Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook Ooh. did not show up. He did not show up. He apparently needed a warmer shower. It didn't, it didn't help him. So we're going to try to wake him up with a cold shower. <laughs> you know who gets my cold shower, Ray? Who? All the analysts who doubted us. That's a good one. All That's you get one. cold showers. Everyone who doubted us. Everyone who acted, who done forgot who the 49ers are. We are gone Dan, for Dan one Orlovsky, week. Dan um, actually, I think he, he, on ESPN, he admitted to making a stupid call, and he tweeted about it, and I, I uh, retweeted it on the Goldcast Twitter. He was like, "Oh my God, it's s- such a stupid call to 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 pick against the 49ers. What was I thinking? It was like t- total regret and total ad, you know, an admittance to fault. So I I definitely highlighted that tweet. So I was like, "All right, at least he manned up." At least, at least he manned up. But yeah, all of you, good morning football, get up, the Bill Simmons podcast, pro football talk, y'all get cold showers, except my boy Chris Sims. Chris Sims, looking at you, boy. That's right. We go back, we, sometimes Sometimes actually we go back and forth on Instagram a little bit. He's awesome. He will He will respond to you. I really like that about him. He. Uh, I think he's killed it this year, killed it. Um, as a uh, football analyst, and he was he was on the he was at the table with the entire crew at the end of the game, and that was yeah, pretty I awesome. loved seeing him at the. Uh, that was his first was, time. That was, was his first was time on, on. It was on NBC. It was on NBC, so he got to be a part of that, and that was that was really fun to see. Yeah, that was his first time, and I mean, I have absolutely loved the entire year with him. He's been great, and he was one of the guys that s- said around week five, 49ers they might be the best team in football. I mean, he was saying that at week 5, he was saying that. He he backed us so early on and we've talked about this a couple times on the gold cast, but but yes, all the analysts who doubted us, you get congratulations. You get today's cold shower. Hope it feels good. Yeah. And and oh, by the way, did I don't know if any, if you guys noticed this. I I'm sure our, our fans have noticed this, but you guys noticed that all four members of the Gold Rush, aka the Four Horsemen, got a sack today. All four of them. Boom. Nick Bosa, 
D. Ford, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner. All four of them got a sack today. That's the difference that D. Ford makes. Monsters. Monsters. All right, Raymond, let's move on to the evening game on Saturday. At first, I was really mad that we weren't the uh, national game. Then I thought, you know what? This is great. We could just get our game over with and then just yeah, exactly. relax for the whole weekend. Right. And, and we had the Titans go in to Baltimore and shock the Ravens 28 to 12. Now, we, I think they shocked everybody. They certainly shocked me. Yeah, I'm going to say they shocked the world. You know what I forgot about Ray, though? You know what I forgot about? I didn't even consider it. The Ravens have not lost since September. And how many times will we talk about it with the 49ers? Streaks do not work in the NFL. They do not. And the longer no, they're your team anomalies. Goes, they're yeah, anomalies. And, and the longer your team goes undefeated, the closer that eventual loss comes. And basically, to be honest, for Baltimore, to me, looked like a trap game. Unfortunately, it was the divisional round of the playoffs when that trap game showed up. They it was, haven't it lost was a playoff in- trap game. It totally was a playoff. I felt like Baltimore looked out of rhythm. It's it's almost, and this is, I, this I, it, it worked against them, right? I'm sorry to cut you off, by the way. But but I, I I believe it worked, to me, from my perspective, it worked against them because they had been winning convincingly week in and week out and all of a sudden by default all of that changes because you get the first round buy so they were in rhythm and the buy their success took them out of rhythm by default and when they got back they were not in rhythm and tennessee had a terrific game plan they stuck to it and they executed and that off rhythm at least that's how it looked to me that was different it was conversely it was different for us. We won tough games and we were sustaining injuries over the course of those tough games in the second half of the season. And we got we got placed out of rhythm because of the injuries. And that's why we lost games. And that's why games became really tight and really close and down to the wire and were very playoff caliber-esque games. And the bye allowed us to get healthy to get back into rhythm. It did the exact opposite for us. That's that's my take on, on how the buys affected each team. Absolutely. And, you know, they rested their team for week 17. And look, there is no right or wrong answer. Did they do the right thing? Did they do the wrong thing? No, I think really, honestly, the best thing that probably could have happened was to lose week 17. Had they lost like week 16 or 17, that would have been the best thing to happen for them. They'd be in the AFC Championship right now had they lost one of those games. In particular, had they lost a game with uh, Lamar Jackson uh, under center. Not only that, did you know that, you know, the long, the, the, um, the biggest deficit that they had to come back from this season was seven points. Was seven points. They they never really got tested. And so now they're out of rhythm. They're 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 in a trap game scenario. They're 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 now coming from they're getting punched in the mouth in a way they've never had to do before. They didn't By have, the rushing champion. They didn't face, you know, the Derrick Henry was the rushing champion this year. So that was a new wrinkle for them. It you, was. You, you you deal with a 6'3", 245-pound running back, basically a, a middle linebacker-sized running back. The second coming of Jerome Bettis. Yes, insane. And and not only that, now they're, they're getting punched in the mouth in a way they've never had to deal with. They don't have Mark Ingram, which I think was a huge, that huge hurts. weapon that was out, and that really hurt them as well. Now they don't have Mark Ingram, and now Lamar is forced 
to rely on his arm and you saw a little bit of the jitters and you also saw a little bit of the inaccuracy that that does um plague him as a young quarterback still you know he he is an amazing runner but yep at he had the, to throw nearly 60 times in that game that is third he was 31 of 59 two interceptions one touchdown 365 yards and still not that's bad that's like 50% he's like that's nearly 50%. You think it's like, what, 51%? That's Colin Kaepernick territory. That's not where you want to be as a passing quarterback. It's no, not. And, but, and, you know, and that's not the style they play, right? What these it's guys not. do. They're very Golden State Warriors-like, right? Where they, they gash you and they, they, they drop 14 to 21 points on you in six or seven minutes in a quarter. And you don't even know what happened and you're dizzy. And then they're off to the races. And they don't right. need to worry and, about and the passing heavy. game because you're yeah. chasing them. And they're already up by two or three touchdowns. Right. The passing, the passing is efficient because it's, 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 it's low volume. It's low volume passing efficiency versus high volume running efficiency, and that's that's the that's the balance, the counterbalance that they employ within that offensive system. And today, or I, not today, but this weekend, they they had to do the opposite based on how well the defense was playing and how well t- uh, Tennessee's offense was playing. Ryan Tannehill played great. Conver- Lamar Jackson, he was just over 50% and threw for 365 yards. That's a pretty good stat line, but he threw two picks. His passer rating was 63, and he got fu- sacked four times for 20. Four times, that's that's really good for Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is so difficult to sack. So the fact that they got four on him says a lot. By the way, conversely, Ryan Tannehill only got sacked once. Once. There was no pass rush there, and- or at least not enough. And two back-to-back games where he passes under 100 yards. He was, I believe, 78 yards last week and only 88 yards this week. Yeah, and Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, 180 yards, three straight games. 180 yards plus, three straight games. He's a beast. Uh, this team feels very Belichickian, has now taken down the New England Patriots, the Baltimore Ravens, and now must go into Kansas City and face Kansas City. Uh, we're going to save that, but... Overall, the biggest shock, but Raymond, this team won 12 games in a row. And once you start getting around the 10-game territory, this reminds me, this reminds me of the 2013 49ers that won nine games in a row, entering the NFC Championship, going against Seattle in Seattle. It just once you start getting around that 9, 10, 11 category, man, that game, it's going to come back to you. It's going to come back. I had my reservations then. Green Bay, uh, either a year later or a couple years later, same exact thing. They'd won like eight games in a row. Ninth game, I believe, was the divisional round or, or NFC Championship. We need a fact checker for this stuff. We need to find someone to do this for us. And boom, before you know it, bam, they're out. You know, it gets really tough. They had won 12 games. They'd won 12 games through October, through November, through December. This is only their third loss on the season. This, to me, uh, while it may have, quote-unquote, exposed exposed the Ravens, you know, whatever that means, more than anything, it was a trap game, plain and simple. And, and like you said, Titans had a beautiful game plan. They are prepared. The loss of Mark Ingram definitely made the made Baltimore a lot more one-dimensional than they wanted to be 
and they punched the, him in the yeah, mouth. De- defensively, there was some new wrinkles today because they were clearly focused on making Lamar Jackson one-dimensional, which for the most part he was. It wasn't until later in the game that he was able to break out because uh, you know on the stat sheet, you see 20 carries, 143 yards, a 7.2 average. That's a terrific Lamar Jackson day in most cases. But because of some of those big chunk plays, 30 of those yards alone came in the second half off of one play. He, he was ineffective in the first half. And you see, when you put him in a high-volume passing situation, this team is, is not the same. It's not the same. They were, shut out the, they were shut out two out of the four quarters in this game. And the other games, they, what, they were kicking field goals and only one touchdown. I believe uh, Hollywood Brown was the only one that scored a touchdown in the air. There was no rushing touchdowns, and then that that was it. This this team came out to play, and by the way, their offensive game plan same as last week, same as the week before. And I'm refer- I'm talking uh, about Tennessee. It's let's have Ryan pass. It's similar to Baltimore, by the way. It's it's let's have him pass at a low efficiency, and let's run the ball at a high volume, high efficiency, and keep Ryan Tannehill's passing attempts down. That that's how it's worked out, and. With Derrick Henry running as well as he has, you can't blame him for sticking to that formula. No, and this is this is the classic game plan you do with a young, you know, Ryan Tannehill is not quite young, but young or inexperienced quarterback. You lean on the running game. You let you let the quarterback manage the game, which people say is a dirty word. I don't think it's a dirty word. I think it's a necessary. Um, level that many quarterbacks have to go through in order to become very successful some guys are able to just instantly excel but you know for a lot of guys managing a game in the beginning is the best place for you jimmy g did it for like the first six straight weeks of this season that's all he did was manage the game while he healed up and got his legs under him and gained confidence yeah absolutely and you know kudos to tennessee the congratulations they deserve to be in the afc they've played our afc championship they've played well and Derrick Henry's my boy, my fantasy, my fantasy champion. Him and Patrick Mahomes, my two best players in fantasy this year. There you go. Uh, and Raymond, with that, one of our greatest possible rivals, one of our greatest obstacles to getting the sixth ring goes down. Exactly. Bye-bye, exactly. Baltimore. Bye-bye. The one team that did, that did concern me. If if we made it back, if we were, you know, should we make it to the Super Bowl? That was the one team that did concern me because Baltimore is tough. They're really tough, and even though we played them tight, they just seemed to have a small edge in that game, a small edge. But we were able to keep pace. But ultimately, they got the last possession, and you know, put up the points when they needed it to. The same thing we ended up doing to New Orleans the next week. And, well, and you know what? The Niners never looked comfortable. They never looked comfortable. They always looked like they were uh, playing on their heels just a little bit. They just, you know, it, they, they, even it, they just never looked as confident as they as they did in other games. That game always looked like it was just a little bit out of their grasp, and they were struggling with figuring out how to gain the control that they wanted. Right. Well, D Ford D Ford was gone by then. Quan Alexander was gone by then, and Jaquaski Tart got hurt in that game. There it is. So let's move on, Raymond. Sunday morning, my goodness, what a game. Houston starts by throwing up 21 ducats, just throws them up. I mean, with the quickness, and you could just see the Kansas City Chief fans, just the life's going at them, and they're sitting there starting to go, oh, here we go. Classic. 
Classic, classic Kansas City. Here comes Andy Reid. It looks like it's almost over, Raymond. And then before you know it, Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City, they stop the bleeding. They will themselves back into this game. And the half ends 24-28. And then by the end of the game, you're looking at 51-31. to Only 7 or 10 points once Kansas City dropped 50 points, Houston answered with only 10 of their own, and the Chiefs move on to the AFC Championship to face Tennessee. Let's talk about a game that felt like in the first half you'd seen an entire game. You did. And after the after 24 points were put up on Kansas City, Kansas City responded with 51 to a to a to a ratio of 51 to 7. A, a what is that? Uh, that's a, a yeah. Five you're right. I said fifty-one ten. It's fifty-one seven. Yeah. Well, after the second quarter, you know, because they scored that field goal in the second quarter to make it twenty-four to nothing, and then Kansas City answered back with twenty-eight straight points, and then twenty-three in the second half. But Patrick Mahomes stepped up huge. He was highly efficient. He five touchdowns, no picks. Uh, 93 quarterback rating, uh, 134 rating for whatever the hell those freaking stats mean. But I'm just reading them because they're there. <laughs> and some people are into that. They scored on the ground. They scored in the air. Damian Williams was terrific. Mahomes actually ran more often than I've seen him run in most games this season. I thought he was great. Travis Kelsey was an absolute beast with three touchdowns, 12 targets, 10 receptions, 134 yards, a 13-and-a-half average per catch. His long was 28 yards. He was out. He was the spark plug. He he got the team riled up again. If this was the Tomahawk chop cast, I would give him my game ball. (laughs) The Tomahawk chop. Yes. Uh, I don't know. The Tomahawk? The Hawk? I don't know. <laughs> Tomahawk cast? The Tomahawk I cast? I don't know. That was pretty good. I like I like what you did. Tomahawk chop cast. That, that works for me. <laughs> yeah, if I if I was if, if we were if that was our cast, that would he would get my game ball. It'd be between him and Mahomes. Mahomes was terrific. Mahomes just didn't seem faltered at all. So he's great. He's played uh, played um, he's like to me, he's like this era's like Dan Marino or Peyton Manning. He's like that. His his passing efficiency is is that good. And Dan Marino threw lots of picks, by the way. Patrick Mahomes. The one big difference between him and Dan Marino is Patrick Mahomes does not give up the ball very often at all. He's very good at protecting the ball. And like conversations that you and I have had off off air, in my opinion, I think Patrick Mahomes is the best long baller in football. No one throws the long ball as accurate as he does. I agree. No, he's been great. The I would say the only concern I have still is this defense still not, you know, while playing better and obviously really clamped down uh, to to protect the lead. I I I don't trust this defense moving forward, especially in a Super Bowl, possibly against a team called the San Francisco 49ers. Well, against our offense that team is i think extraordinarily vulnerable their offense however is you know comparable to you know the saints i think the saints is a good comparison not green bay's green bay's less than but this is a high caliber offense like the saints i would say the passing attack is is 
you know, it's it's West Coasty, like Andy Reid. Sean Payton runs a West Coasty types offense, but there there's some long ball in there too. So I would say the Saints are probably the closest comparison. And we saw what they did to an injured 49ers defense, but a healthy 49ers defense, I think, is a different story. You're definitely not getting a 50 burger on us with with a healthy defense. That's for sure. But I mean, that's I'm getting ahead of myself. We are. We are. I just I'm just we're just we're just speculating. I'm just saying that if if this were the 49ers today in this game and we had dropped 21 points to zero, oh Kansas City, you'd have been in a lot of trouble. There would have been no 28 unanswered points, not at mm-hmm. all. Yeah. Uh, all right, Raymond. Let's move on to the game that we had the most investment in as a fans, as fans of the Niners. We had the Seahawks followed by uh, the 12th cast, which is their their podcast, uh, our, our biggest rivals, the 12th cast, we can't stand them, uh, going up against the Green Bay Packers and their cast, the Cheese cast, the Cheesehead cast. So the... <laughs> <laughs> the Gruyere cast, the Cheddar cast, you know, pick, pick your, the Monterey Jack cast. <laughs> Monterey Jack cast, Swiss cheese cast. Yeah. Pick your poison. And Raymond, I do believe someone on this podcast here said all year that the success of the Seahawks was not sustainable that they would go about as far as the divisional round and that would be it that's as far as they would go who was that person Raymond can you remind me I'm, I'm trying to remember I believe it was I believe it was you oh snap it was me. You're right. Thank you. That's right. I said this all year. This reminded me of the team that beat Minnesota in that ice game. I think it was like 2016 or 2017. And it and 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 they they squeaked by and everyone was saying, This is Seahawks are the team no one wants to face in the postseason. This is the team no one wants to face. And boom, they got their asses whooped, they're out in the divisional round. And I said all year long, and especially coming into the playoffs, they would not make it past the divisional round. And lo and behold, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Goodbye, Seattle. Goodbye, 12th man. Should have cheered a little louder. Maybe you could have helped them win the game. 23-28, Green Bay Packers win. Not in convincing fashion. This team, we both talked about it. They kind of stumbled backwards into the playoffs both of these teams Seattle losing three of their last four games Green Bay kind of getting the the second seed not because of their prowess although they went 13 and 3 but really because the Saints kind of coughed it up they kind of coughed it up in the nth hour and at the at the the tail end of the season um Green Bay did not dominate their way to the second seed although great record not I was not convinced at the end of this game that this team was ready to uh, make a run for the Super Bowl. And obviously we're going to talk about that a lot in our preview episode later on in the week. But overall, um, sloppy play by Green Bay. And they came within they came within one or two uh, one or two series of losing this game. They did, and even though I felt good about the 21-3 to halftime score, I knew it wasn't enough. Not against Seattle, but it was very illustrative of how I felt this game was going to play out. I thought that Green Bay had the advantage, being at home, being rested, and more importantly, being much more balanced and well-rounded in comparison to Seattle. 
that's it's a different comparison to San Francisco, but to Seattle, who's completely depleted. They said they were going to give Marshawn more touches. That is was irrelevant to me. That wasn't going to make a difference because he's just not the same player. It doesn't matter how many weeks you keep him in there. He had 12 carries for 26 yards. If you if if he needs to get an inch, guess, guess what? Any back in the league will do. Any back. And he needed and he did that. He did it twice. He got two scores on the ground. Not all that difficult. Asking him to get one or two yards on the goal line is, you know, there's nothing special happening there. He's big. He's strong. He has enough power in him, left in him, to get that that yardage. So that to me is not impressive. What was impressive, I thought, was Aaron Rodgers passing. I thought he passed really well. Devonte Adams just carved these guys up. He ran terrific routes. He was the beast. Eleven targets, eight catches, 160 yards, two scores. He was the driving force of this offense. Everyone else kind of chipped in. You know, one here. You know, Geronimo, Jamal Williams, Marquez. Scandling, Jake Sternberger, Valdez even Aaron Jones. Scandling. I know it's yes, a tough last it's, name. It's, it's a, a mouthful. Tough name. Yeah, all those guys I just named, they all had one catch. Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham actually had a decent day for, for old-ass Jimmy Graham. Not for vintage Jimmy Graham, but for current Jimmy Graham. I thought he was good. 349 yards. He made a, he, that, I mean, he got that huge pass. Yes. That really, the that, pass yeah, the 27-yarder so that really uh, kind of saved the day. Yes, it didn't even look like a didn't look like a like a they got a favorable spot it seems like so, but you know who cares I'm not I'm not the 12th cast that's going to be complaining about that <laughs> So but but that's what I saw and again Aaron Jones was very efficient for the most part I mean he wasn't you know blow your mind but I thought he he had the the 23 yard gain that was his biggest one of the day that was I thought it set the tone because it was early and they, they fed him the ball 21 times, so they were very much attempting for a balanced rushing attack. They ended up with 109 yards between all of their contributors, Aaron Jones, of course, being the bell cow of that contribution. He also had two scores on the ground. So this this was, this was game was won by you know the three components that have really carried this Packers offense, and that's Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams. If, if they're missing one or more of those components, Aaron Rodgers doesn't necessarily have the same weapons, you know, to do what he's done in the past. At least that's not been the, that's it's not how it seems like it's worked out for him this year. He's, I think they've had success offensively. The, on the, the success they've had on the offensive side of the ball is largely predicated on being more balanced via Aaron Jones. And if you take him out of it, Aaron Rodgers, even though he's much more capable than say a Kirk Cousins, it's still, you're still asking a lot for Aaron Rodgers at that age. It's not not to say that he can't do it. I'm just saying it's it's different now in the twilight years of his career to, to put him in that scenario. You want to be balanced. Russell Wilson is still young and still in his prime for the most part, but he got sacked five times and he he did run well. He was the leading he he was the leading rusher on this team. He had actually had more yards than Aaron Jones and had a better average per carry. I, I will say this, and I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. I thought even even with even with Green Bay putting up 21 points, there was not a doubt in my mind that this that Russell Wilson would not come back in the second half and make this game very interesting. And I will say this. It was really interesting to watch Russell Wilson, and this is the closest you're going to get from a compliment from me, Russell Wilson. It was very difficult to sack him. 
He was very elusive. I mean, he he just started running the ball and 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 making first downs and driving this team by himself all the way down to goal line. And then he put up 14 points in the third quarter, and he really you know, put this team in position to win. Meanwhile, the Green Bay started really struggling with, uh, and then, you know, started punting the ball. And and once, once you're giving up these, once these series are ending in punts and then your opponents making more points, I mean, it's only a matter of time before they catch up. And lo and behold, they came really close. So, and then ended up scoring nothing in the fourth quarter. And all I have to say is if Green Bay is going to play like that, if they're going to be like that in the second half against San Francisco, it's going to be a long day at Levi. It's going to be a real long day. And, uh, but overall, a, um, a very, I will say, uh, a, a decent performance by Russell Wilson. Way to go. You put the team on your back, but it wasn't enough. Now go home. <laughs> exactly. Go home. <laughs> He's at home washing his tights. <laughs> What's Where's that Russell from? Wilson? What's that from? Bat- Tim Burton's 1989 Batman. <laughs> Where is the Batman? Well, I'll tell you. He's at home washing his tights. <laughs> Where is Russell Wilson? Well, I'll tell you. He's at home washing his tights. That's yeah, going to be our new one. That's going to be neon green ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a buddy of mine said to me today, he goes, You know what I like the most about the Seahawks? He's a Vikings fan, coincidentally. I said, What? He goes, I love that neon green. I said, You've got to be out of your effing mind. Are you serious right now? Those are the ugliest colors in football. The absolute ugliest colors in all of sports. Neon green? Are you kidding me? What, are we at a rave in 1990? In Oakland, we had home base? Yeah, is this arena football? Is this XFL? Is this XFL? Is this Vince McMahon colors? What is this? What's going on? Is is he going to come out and and, and, uh, play football in a cage? Money in the bank? (laughs) It's going to be a ladder, ladder match for the football. There's going to be a ladder on the field. <laughs> uh, two, it's like they line up like special teams and they run to the ladder. And the first one up to the ladder to get the football gets on offense. That's how that works. Yes. Uh, yeah. So anyways, that was probably the best uh, the best gift beyond us winning, beyond the Ravens losing, was the Seahawks going it was the down. only the only game I got wrong because I think everybody got that game wrong. I think maybe some tennis outside of Tennessee fans, hardcore Tennessee fans that just believed in Derrick Henry. Yeah, the Titans but cast, I, the Tannehill cast. Else, yeah, it's 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 named after Tannehill. <laughs> For some reason, it revolves around Ryan Tannehill. The Tannehill cast. <laughs> the Tannehill cast. Yeah, exactly. Every, everything everything Titans related via the Tannehill cast. <laughs> we are the voice of Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, but I, that was the only one I got wrong. So you, you and I ended up three and one this weekend. I think Father thought that Seattle was going to win. They put up a fight and they made it close. But again, I thought that they were going to run out of steam because this is a handicap match, a handicap match that favored Green Bay in just about every single category. Yeah, it was great. I was really happy. Uh, excellent, excellent weekend of football. We got the one big upset as we did last week with the New England Patriots. The Tennessee delivers a second big upset two weeks in a row to take out the Baltimore Ravens. And we had a really great weekend of football. This has been one of my most favorite playoff um, uh, series in a in a in a long time and and you know 50% of it's because the 49ers are here and the other 50% has just been really good football lots of twists and turns um you know a lot of these games have not come easy there've been some shocks 
all over the place. And the only, to be honest, the only consistent team that has looked the strongest is the 49ers and uh, Kansas City from the second quarter, second quarter on. Um, I'm very excited. I'm excited for pre for the preview for Championship Sunday. This is, ladies and gentlemen, the 49ers' 16th NFC Championship appearance the most appearances of any team in the nfc and our fourth appearance this past the, in the past 10 years alone think about that for a second raymond in the last 10 years the 49ers have been to four nfc championships we have won six of them i hope we win a seventh i hope we do so do i because our we have a great ratio in the record, and by the way, uh, Joe Montana's first uh, Super Bowl, he was like nineteen of twelve touchdown interception ratio, and then in eighty four, he was twenty six and twelve, very similar to Jimmy G's. There's no comparison other than some of the numbers are the same. But my point is that in her in his first full season, or one of you know in his third season, you know playing against coming after coming to a, a dismal team with Bill Walsh, you know, it was not easy sledging, but when he was able to put it together, they were, you know, pedestrian numbers by today's comparisons, but efficient enough to get to the Super Bowl back then uh, under different rules and rules that were much more balanced in terms of how the defense was judged by the refs. So just perspective, just something I thought of when I was looking at stats today, or I, I looked at it the other day during the game. I love it. Well, I was telling our father that uh, I was telling Rudy Solis Jr. I said, this team feels 80-ish 49ers to me. 80-ish in terms of dominance and what this playoff run's looking like. It's reminding me of uh, several really impressive playoff runs from the 80s. I can think of four in particular that were very, very similar. And so I'm excited. Two more games, Raymond. And the only one that matters is this weekend, this Sunday. Championship Sunday. We're going to talk about that later on in the week. I'm super excited. Any final thoughts, Ray? Just that this weekend is going to be bananas in San Francisco and that I can't wait to do the preview episode because i have a lot to say about this matchup i cannot wait to hear that uh what say you gold cast sound off in the comments let us know how you celebrated how you felt about this weekend 49ers win ravens go down seattle goes down and the niners remain and now we're in championship sunday two more games the quest for six has never been closer Let's go. So concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Cease III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salise the first, baby. Boom. We'll see you next time. Same Gold Cast time. Same Gold Cast channel. This is, is the Gold Cast.